Again, let me extend and echo Brother John's warm welcome to all the visitors who are here with us this morning. We're glad you're able to be here. <clears throat> I invite you to open your Bibles with me this morning to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13. We've commenced a study of our Lord's parables, and we're putting in in Matthew chapter 13 and considering the seven kingdom parables which are found there. And we parked on the first of those parables, what has been called the parable of the soils or the parable <clears throat> of the sower. I'm going to read the first nine verses and then verses 18 through 23. On that day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. And great multitudes gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole multitude was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. And others fell upon the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, <clears throat> and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. <clears throat> when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. And the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Let's pray together. Our Father, we pray that these words, which were spoken almost 2,000 years ago, you would cause to ring within our ears, and not just to dent our eardrums, but we pray that it would settle down deep within our hearts, and that we would prove ourselves to be good ground hearers, that we would bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold, that we would understand it, we would apply it, we would live it in our lives. And so we pray that those who are your people already, that good seed has fallen in good soil, that we would bear more fruit. And for those who are hard-hearted, stony-hearted, thorny-hearted, we pray that you would soften their hearts. You would put depth of soil into their soul. You would remove the thorns, that they might hear the word. They might receive the engrafted word, which is able to save their souls. The kingdom of God would be expanded in the hearts of your people, and it would be extended in the earth. That even in this place, and wherever the gospel is preached, that there would be those who would hear, and heed, and come to Jesus Christ, and be saved, and others to grow in grace, and in conformity to Him who is the living word. We pray these things in His name. Amen. 
in his parable of the soils, the Lord Jesus, as it were, takes us on a field trip to a farm. And he points out various kinds of soil into which seeds were sown in order to illustrate how different people respond to the preaching of the kingdom of God. He shows that the growth of a seed always depends upon the quality of the soil. And his point is clear. The condition of our heart determines how we respond to the preaching of God's word. Our lives subsequently demonstrate the fertility of our hearts, and they determine whether or not we will bear spiritual fruit. The heart of each one of us is infertile by nature, so that it does not bear spiritual fruit. Some hearts do not produce fruit because they are pounded hard, like a pavement by continually hearing and rejecting the truth and allowing Satan to come and steal the gospel seed. These hearers do not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. Other hearts are shallow. There's no room for a gospel seed to put down roots. Such hearers are superficial. They're short-lived. They will not endure the deep probing of the word. They may make a splash but their profession of faith in Jesus Christ quickly dries up, and when called upon to face opposition or persecution on account of the word, they quickly abandon their once flowery profession of faith. Still other hearts over time allow the world's cares, concerns, temptations, and pleasures to choke off commitment to the word, strangling its life, and as a result, they bring no fruit to maturity. But Jesus would not leave us in a state of hopelessness. Not all who hear the word of God reject that word. God's elect will hear. They will believe. They will heed the gospel message. They will bear fruit indicating that they are rooted and grounded in Christ. So a laborer, a laborer may at times think that his labors are in vain. But the Lord Jesus Christ will always add his own blessing to the preaching of the word. He will soften hearts. He will cause the seed to germinate, to put down roots, and to bear fruit unto eternal life. So Jesus introduces us finally this morning to the good ground hearer. You see, the conscientious farmer plants in hope. He knows that he's not on a fool's errand, that his planting is not in vain. He looks forward to receiving a return on his labors. The Lord Jesus knew about Isaiah's prophecy that gospel sowers are engaged in a good work that will produce fruit. The prophet says in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11, For as... The rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the hearer. So shall my word which goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I send it. And that purpose includes bringing forth a harvest of soul, of souls from the sowing of gospel seed. So in his parable of the soils, Jesus saves the good news for last. In this morning's message, we are introduced to the good ground hearer. Now, as we consider the good ground hearer, we're going to look at his receptive heart, his effectual hearing, and his obvious productivity before coming to a few words of concluding application. Notice then the receptive heart of the good ground hearer. The other hearts were not receptive, some plainly so, some seemingly so, but only one truly does receive the word of God. Matthew chapter 13 in verse 23. 
And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And in the parallel in Luke, we read in Luke 8 and verse 15, And the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart, and hold it fast, and bear fruit with perseverance. Now we noted in a previous message that many who hear biblical preaching bear no fruit because they have a spiritual heart problem. That's where it all begins. In the heart. The heart of the hard ground here is hard and unresponsive. The heart of the stony ground here provides only shallow soil for the germinating seed of the word, which prevents it from bearing fruit. The weed-choked heart of the thorny ground here prevents the ripening of gospel fruit. And because of their defective hearts, these hearers bring no fruit to maturity. Sooner or later, they prove themselves to be no Christians at all. But the heart of the good ground here is notably different. He bears fruit because he has heard the word in an honest and a good heart. Now Jesus' description of the heart of the good ground here may surprise serious Bible students and especially confound some Calvinists. How can Jesus say that they have good and honest hearts? Is he saying that the hearts of some people are naturally honest and good? Is he denying the doctrine of universal depravity that the hearts of all men by fallen nature are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked? Is that what the Lord is teaching here? Is he denying that? How is the heart of the good ground hearer better than other hearts since all hearts before regeneration? They're spiritually dead, they're opposed to God, and therefore they can do nothing to please God, including receiving the word by faith, much less bearing fruit for God. How can this be? Well, no child of Adam is born with an honest and good heart. We who know our Bibles, we know that all of us are born in sin and assumed in Jesus' description of the fruitful here is that God has given him a new heart to receive the gospel. And this happens when we are born again or we are born from above or born anew. John 1 verses 11 through 13. Jesus spoken of here. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. They are born of God. That's why they believe. That's why they receive Christ. And that's why Jesus says a couple of chapters over in John chapter 3, you must be born again before you can see the kingdom of God. Or to put it in the language of the parable, before you can bear fruit. One who has experienced the new birth has been given a new heart. And this happens when God performs spiritual heart surgery, replacing our heart of stone with a heart of flesh. A heart that believes, a heart that obeys, enables us to receive the word of God and be saved. Ezekiel 36 verses 26 and 27, this is the text that Jesus had in mind when he was speaking to Nicodemus and saying, don't you understand these things? You should know about what Ezekiel has said. 
What has Ezekiel said? Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You see, this is Ezekiel's doctrine of the new birth. We get new hearts. Stony hearts are removed. Fleshy hearts are put in their place. Fleshy hearts, soft hearts that receive the impress of truth or the gospel seed and and cause it to germinate and to put down roots and to bear up fruit unto eternal life. Further, that not all hearers bear saving fruit as we've seen before, is by divine design. Sovereign grace grants some men ears to hear. It opens some men's hearts, but it leaves other men's hearts hard and them spiritually deaf. Remember Jesus' statement of this mysterious truth earlier in our context. Context, Matthew 13, verses 11 through 13. And he answered and said to them, to the disciples there that were gathered as before him, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has to him shall more be given, and he shall have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Therefore, those who hear and understand and believe with honest and good hearts have been given believing hearts. So they've been given hearing ears. They are assured to bear gospel fruit, even as they are the fruit of God himself. James 1 and verse 18, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among his creatures. He causes us to be born again. We are the fruit of his sovereign saving grace, and therefore, as a result, we will bear fruit if we're true Christians. So we have the promise that the first fruits of God's new creation, those who have been begotten again by the word of truth, will bear fruit unto God. But the question that each one of us has to face here this morning is this. Has God given you a new heart? Have you come here with a hard heart that doesn't want to hear? Like water off a duck's back, it just rolls off? Or do you come here with a soft tender heart to receive the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Have you believed the gospel? Have you come to Jesus Christ and been saved? Are you a creature born of God by the truth? Are you that new creature? And if so, how do you know? And that brings us secondly after looking at the receptive heart of the good ground here to the effectual hearing of the good ground here. You see, all those that are represented by the various soil types, they hear the word, but only one kind of hearer hears with the ears of saving faith. And notice what Jesus says about the receptiveness of the good ground hearer. First of all, simply he hears the word. A heart made honest and good by the regenerating grace of God hears the word. Not like the others, he hears it savingly. You see, a regenerate heart responds in faith to the word preached. Ears opened by regenerating grace like a fruitful stalk of grain, they always bend it toward the light. The ears of the good ground hearer, like petals of a flower, open to receive the water of the word. To change the analogy, 
the good ground here is one of Jesus' sheep who hears his voice and follows him and him alone. And notice further then that the good ground hearer does not pick and choose what he will receive from God's word. He doesn't come to the word of God like a smorgasbord. When he says, I'll take the fried potatoes, but, you know, I don't want the peas and carrots. No, he, he takes everything that he is fed. And furthermore, it doesn't matter who feeds him. They feed him the seed. He receives it. He doesn't pick and choose who he will hear, let alone what he will hear. His honest and good heart receives whatever Jesus says, even when it might pinch his flesh, even when it exposes the error of his thinking, even when it calls him to repentance, when it calls him to some manner of duty, he hears. His ears are like that of Samuel. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So he hears the word. Secondly, he understands the word. In Mark's account, we read that the good ground here accepts the sowing of the gospel seed. And this word, as it is used in other places, speaks of something or someone that is received or is welcomed. We could translate Jesus' words, He heard the word and welcomed it. You see, whereas other hearts are hard, or they're shallow, or they're distracted, the heart of the good ground here welcomes the word. As a word, he rolls out the red carpet to receive the word of God. He doesn't put up any roadblocks. He doesn't put any mesh over his heart to strain out certain things. He's open and honest. He receives it all. And because the good ground here possesses the indwelling Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth, he's, he's been taught to embrace the Word of God. He has ears that are perked up to hear the truth. You see, the Holy Spirit is the Christian's resident truth teacher. He gives him ears to hear. He hears the truth. He gravitates toward the truth. When he hears other things from other shepherds that are false shepherds, he turns a deaf ear to it, and he only receives what comes from the voice, uh, at, at the voice and from the mouth of his Savior. You see, the Holy Spirit enables him to understand the practical meaning and to make personal application from the Word of God. And this is because of Effectual calling always assures spiritual understanding. John 6, verses 44 and 45. No one can come to me, Jesus said, unless the Father who sent me draws him. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all, that is those who hear and are drawn to Jesus Christ, and they shall all be taught of God, Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me, Jesus says. So he hears the word, he understands the word. Thirdly, he embraces the word. The word translated hold fast means to hold in memory, to keep in mind, to continue believing. He's not like the stony ground here who hears it and then he leaves it because it's causing him trouble in his life. He's not like the thorny ground here who hears it for a while, entertains it, but his attention is choked out by other things and he's distracted away from following the Lord. No. He holds it fast. The Apostle commends the Corinthians for their tight grip upon the gospel in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 2. 
Paul writes, Now I praise you because you hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. Paul preached the apostolic gospel. And they laid hold of it. They dug their fingernails into it. They wouldn't let it go. You see, the good ground here will not abandon the word like other hearers will. You see, when God's saving grace gives us new hearts and new ears, He gives us, as it were, new hands to grasp Christ as He is revealed in the gospel, and we will not let Him go. We're held in His hand. And because we're held in His hand, we hold to Him. You see, He was grasped, grasped by the hand of sovereign grace will grasp Christ in the gospel and for nothing will he let him go. So that's the receptive heart and the effectual hearing of the good ground here. Let us consider, thirdly, the obvious productivity of the good ground here. In the case of the good ground here, the word neither falls on hard ground, only to be gobbled up by Satan or to fall upon shallow ground that, that prevents deep roots, or upon thorny soil that chokes out the life with worldly cares and concerns. Instead, the heart soil of the good ground here, it's soft, it's deep, it's fertile, it's nurturing, it's welcoming. And for this reason, first, he bears fruit. The presence of fruit in the good ground here proves that he is rooted in Christ. He's drawing nourishment from his Savior. And those in whom his word produces new life, we are told will produce, as we will see, some 100, some 60, some 30 fold. He will bear fruit. And notice, therefore, the obvious. The good ground's Here's fruit is visible fruit. It's not a figment of his imagination or his wishful thinking. What is true in nature is also true in grace. Fruit can be seen. It cannot be hidden. And so Jesus teaches. What is true of false teachers in particular is also true of genuine Christians who have received the word of God. Matthew 7 and verse 16. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? No, good ground hearers, they bear grapes and they bear figs. So what does this mean practically? First of all, the, the good ground hearers' fruit will be evident in his initial and ongoing repentance of sin. Matthew 3 and verse 8 John the Baptist preaching. He says, therefore, bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance. I want to see fruit. Don't just say that we're Abraham's children. We were circumcised. We're part of the covenant people. No. I want to see fruit in keeping with repentance. Repentance will show itself in your life. If you're truly repentant, you'll quit lying. You'll quit cheating. You'll... you'll you put a rain on your anger, you'll mortify your pride, you'll get rid of your pornography, you'll cut off right hands and gouge out right eyes. Therefore, bring fruit, bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance. It will be at the beginning of his Christian life, it will be ongoing throughout his life. Second, the fruit of the good ground here will be displayed in a life of practical righteousness, good deeds, and conformity to the truth. Ephesians 5 and verse 9, Paul says parenthetically, For the fruit of the light, that is the work of saving grace in the heart and life of a true Christian, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Righteousness, goodness, and truth. He will demonstrate a life of moral integrity and, and uprightness. 
life will be a transcript of the truth. Oh, it's not perfect, but principally he's following Jesus Christ. Goodness, he strives to be good like him who went about doing good. He strives to be righteous even as Jesus is righteous. Thirdly, his fruit demonstrates itself, again, in good works and in a growing knowledge of God. To be saved is to know Jesus Christ and to know God. And he will continue to grow in the knowledge of God. Colossians 1 and verse 10. So that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We want to know God. If you're a Christian, you want to know God. You may want to know other things, but your consuming passion with the Apostle Paul is that I may know Him. We fail, yes, often. And we have to make mid-course corrections and get back on track again. But the principal desire of a true Christian is to know God. The compass needle is... Is pointing towards Christ. And when we know God, we will seek to bear fruit in every good work. Finally, the evidence of the good ground here's fruit is that it brings glory and praise to God. You remember, it's visible. Other people can see it. Christians can see it. They're encouraged by it. Non-Christians can see it. It might cause them to scratch their head at times, but they'll know that this man can't be just acting like this because something's happened in his life. What does Jesus say? Men will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That doesn't necessarily mean bowing down and owning Jesus Christ, but they'll recognize that it's only the grace of God. They might not put it in those terms, but it makes this guy the way that he is. I remember what he was before, and now he's changed. I can't explain the change. There's some things about the change I really like. I can always trust him. He's not going to cheat me or lie to me. He's not going to try to sneak around with my wife. He's, he's an honest guy. So visible will the fruit in the life of the good ground here be that others will see. And they will say, it must be the work of God in him. So he bears fruit. Secondly, he bears much fruit. The goal of seed planting is fruit bearing. But we know that not all stocks are equally fruitful. Some hearers bear more fruit than others. Some 100, some 60, some 30 times as much. But there will be fruit. And then hopefully there will be increasing fruit. You see, the secret of fruitfulness is not so much the level of a person's spiritual gifts as it is in the faithful use of his spiritual graces. A Christian with lesser gift may bear more fruit than a more gifted believer simply because he walks more consistently in the Spirit, seeking greater conformity to Jesus Christ and by conscientious obedience to His commandments. It's not how much you know, it's what you do with what you know. You know, we can be doctrinal eggheads. We can learn much and not practice it, and therefore we're out around, we're eccentric. We kind of go down the road like this. Far better to know little and practice much than to know much and practice little. <clears throat> he bears much fruit. John 15 and verse 5, I am the vine, Jesus said to his disciples, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. 
You see, the closer we walk with Christ, the more intimate we are with Him, the more fruit we will bear. It's in direct proportion to our closeness to Christ. Furthermore, He bears much fruit with perseverance. When we find, this, we find the secret of the good ground here, sustained fruitfulness in our Lord's words in Luke 8.15. And the seed in good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and a good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. Very picturesque word. It means to remain under something. You see, you bear fruit with perseverance. The shallow ground here, the stony ground here, well, that shoot came up right away. But there wasn't any fruit on it. Opposition, persecution, because of the word, it shrivels up and it dies. No, when this shoot makes it through the ground, it works its way up toward the sun. It begins to bear fruit. Yes, winds blow against it. It's dashed from side to side, but it keeps on keeping on because the word that, that, that changed the heart will bear fruit in the life. You see, the good ground here doesn't relax his grip on the word of God, nor does he permit the word to lose its grip on him. He holds fast the word as if his very life depended upon it, because indeed it does. The word gave him life by the Spirit of God. The word in his life continues to cause him to grow in grace and conformity to Jesus Christ and to bear fruit. You see, he knows that if he turns from Christ, he turns from life. He loses his life. And so he knows that if he turns from the word, he turns from Christ. And if he turns from Christ, he loses his life. And this he refuses to do. God giving him grace and help. He doesn't wash out when he experiences opposition or persecution for living according to the word, like the stony ground hearer. Nor does he allow the distractions and temptations of the world to derail him from hearing and heeding the word of God and bearing mature fruit like the thorny ground hearer. The God who germinates the seed in his heart sustains its life and assures its growth. He preserves the good ground hearer so that he perseveres in following Christ on the narrow road that leads to life. He rejoices in the fact that he that began a good work in him will perfect and perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. Because he knows that by the grace of God he'll work out his own salvation with fear and trembling. But brethren, fruitfulness is a slow process. It can be a painful process. And it will be because we have remaining sin. We have a, a tempting devil. We've got an alluring world. It's a slow process. Perseverance is the key. Farmers must be patient, and so must Christians. And bless God that He is patient with His people. I mean, look what He has to work with, right? The stony ground here showed early promise, but his speedy shoots soon withered and died. The thorny ground here seemed more hopeful in the long term, but life's distractions sucked life from the fruit that never matured. But the good ground here will bear fruit because he perseveres in hearing and heeding the word of God. Observes one man on the necessity of persevering in fruit-bearing, he writes, 
There's no other way for real fruit to come. Mushrooms spring up overnight, but they are usually poisonous. The best fruits require time, cultivation, patience. And so it is with the fruitfulness of the seed of God's word sown in the heart of a true Christian. He will bear fruit, but that fruit bearing will take time. What does Solomon say? That the path of the righteous is like the light of the dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. Our ripest fruits are not usually earliest in the Christian life, they're later. But it's faithfulness in little things that assures us that God will enable us to be faithful in larger things. That little fruit will grow and it will become larger fruit. If you're a true Christian, you will bear fruit and you'll want to bear more fruit. Well, what does this say to us? I'll try to be very brief here. I have more notes than I have time. But first of all, consider observations from Jesus' teaching about the good ground hearer. First of all, we observe the reason why many professing Christians fail. You see, our carnal hearts must be purified by faith in Jesus Christ, or they will never produce fertile ground for the growth of the gospel seed. You see, gospel seed cannot grow in unbelieving hearts. It's hostile to the seed. And therefore, God must regenerate our heart before the gospel seed will bear fruit. Our hearts must be made new. Stony hearts must be replaced with fleshy hearts before we will welcome the gospel by faith. A living, life-giving word produces fruit only in hearts that have been made hospitable to the word by saving grace. Thirdly, no true Christian can finally fall away from the faith because the life-giving word has been sown in his heart. The writer to the Hebrews could say this, Hebrews 10 and verse 39, but we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the, persev- to the, excuse me, to the preserving of the soul. We have faith to the preserving of the soul. You see, we must hear with faith if we would live by faith. And we must live by faith if we would not abandon the faith. God preserves us in faith so that we might persevere in faith. Our perseverance is founded upon God's preservation. We persevere because He preserves. Peter says this. 1 Peter 1 and verse 5. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Fourthly, if the word is powerful enough to produce life in those who believe, how foolish are those who reject it and die in their sins. This word gives life. You see, it is only wretched unbelief and the love of sin that keeps people from coming to Christ. John 5 and verse 39, Jesus said to his detractors, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. You're right so far as your thinking is going. But you, see, you, you don't make this connection. And it is these, the scriptures, that bear witness of me. And you are unwilling to come to me that you might have life. The life-giving scriptures point to me. You come to me, you have life. But you refuse to do that. Peter understood he was a good ground hearer. When a number of them turned on their heels and followed Christ no more. We read in John 6 and verse 68, Simon Peter answered him. He says, will you go away also, Jesus said? What does Peter say? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. Secondly, applications from Jesus' teaching about the good ground here. First of all, 
You're able to bear fruit to God only as you truly know the Lord. What did Jesus say? Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. We have to be in Christ. You see, the secret to fruit bearing is union with Christ. We must be in spiritual union with Him if we would bear fruit to God. Simply knowing His name is no substitute for knowing Him. John 17 and verse 3, Jesus prayed, And this is eternal life, that they may know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. We don't know God until we know Christ, and until we know God in Christ. We're yet dead in sin, and we know nothing as we ought to know. Secondly, you validate your testimony and glorify God when you bear much fruit. If you're a Christian, you've been rooted in Christ. And fruit-bearing proves that you belong to Christ. And I suggest to you that we glorify God to to the degree that we bear fruit in Christ. What did Jesus say? John 15 and verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Thirdly, if you wish to bear richer and more abundant fruit, faithfully employ the means of grace that God has prescribed. We might call this gospel fertilizer. If you wish to bear 30, 60, 100-fold fruit, learn lessons from the various unfruitful hearers. Fertilize the growing gospel seed with the rich means God has given for growth. Learn from the hard ground here. Don't come to the preaching with a hard heart toward God. You're not going to gain anything. But come with a heart softened by prayer, plowed by repentance, and fertilized by faith. Hebrews 4 and verse 2. For indeed we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard didn't profit them. Why? Because it was not united by faith in those who heard. We have to hear the word and hear it believingly. Because if we don't hear it believingly, it will only harm us and not help us. Immediately own, therefore, the word of God's communication to you. Don't apply it to anyone until you first applied it to yourself. We can sit here in the pew and think, boy, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this, or he's here, I just hope he's listening. No, if we hear that way, we harden our hearts. No, hard hearts are self-righteous hearts. Furthermore, don't allow the riches of the word sown in preaching to be stolen by Satan. Don't allow that word to be stolen by Satan. He's none the richer for his theft, but you're only the poorer. Learn from the stony ground hearer. If you be deeply rooted and grounded in Christ, ponder his word during the preaching. Think about how it relates to you. Reflect upon it later at home. And speak about it with your spouse if you're married and with your children if you have them. What was the message about today? What can we learn from it? How can the seed germinate in our life and produce fruit? And learn from the stony ground here. Ponder it if you would stand firm in the hour of temptation and persecution. Hide it in your heart that you might not sin against God. Ponder it. Chew it over. Meditate upon it. Cause it to work into the warp and woof of of the fiber of your spiritual being. And finally, learn from the thorny ground here. If you would bear fruit and so prove that you're a true Christian, you must cut off all impediments to the growth of the gospel seed. And this may be very radical. You may have to cut off close relationship with some friends. You must cease certain activities. You must quit going to certain entertainments. You must cut off all impediments that would strangle the growth of the gospel seed. Obey the word in all areas of your life. Don't compromise. 
God has given you the word. He'll give you the grace to obey the word. Plead with him, God, give me help to hear and to heed. So let me ask you, what is distracting you from uncompromised obedience to God? You have to be killing those things or they will kill you. Finally, you can't give your heart to the things of this world and to the things of Christ. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God in money, God in sex, God in popularity, God in anything else. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Let's pray. Or Father, I pray that the, the speedy consideration of these things will not shortchange our hearts. We pray that the Spirit would be at work plowing our hearts, that the gospel seed would be welcomed that it would be fertilized by your grace, it would put down deep roots that lay hold of the rock and will bear fruit unto eternal life. We pray increasingly so of 30, 60, and 100 fold. Lord, if there be any here in this room that are not good ground hearers, there's some other kind of hearer. They have hard hearts or shallow hearts or tangled hearts. Oh, we pray that by your grace, you would soften, you would deepen, you would, you would remove every impediment to the germination of the seed, fertilize it with your grace, cause it to grow and to bear fruit unto eternal life. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.